Welcome to episode 14 of the Leadership in Context podcast with Keith Tusi. Today, Keith continues a series of conversations about being missional. One of the clearest ways you define and infuse vision is to demonstrate a strategic plan to obtain provision to fuel the vision. Welcome to Leadership in Context, a conversation on leadership in the context of the local church. Keith Tusi is the apostolic team leader of the Network of Related Pastors. He loves the church and its leaders. You will be empowered and equipped to walk in fruitful ministry as you listen to Keith put leadership truths in the context of the local church. For show notes, email podcast at inourpastors.com. And now here's Keith Tusi. As I shared in our last podcast, I want to talk about something I call ponds, P-O-N-D-S, like a, like a water pond. We're going to refer to it in a provisional sense. One of the marks of a missional church, a church with a mission, is that it has a vision. And one of the clearest ways you define vision, or rather infuse vision, is to demonstrate a strategic plan to obtain and acquire the provision to fuel the vision. As a result of that, missional churches have leadership that are unapologetic about asking people for their time, their talent, and their treasure. But that also requires skill and understanding of what you're trying to accomplish and who you're trying to accomplish that with. One of the reasons missional churches tend to be healthier than non-missional churches is because they're training people to be givers, not just takers, not selfish, not self-focused. Before we go any further, let's identify the four basic types of giving that are found in the scripture. Number one, of course, is the tithe. Okay, That is the clear, demonstrable, measurable amount that God asks us for. Then there are alms, giving to the poor, giving to the needy. And by the way, it's probably good if you've got an alms heart. Every church should give to alms. There are 300 mentions in the scripture of giving to poor and needy people, but there is a difference between the needy and the slothful. And so probably one of the things you want to do is have some kind of a need form that you develop. A couple questions like this. In writing, I found out if you put things in writing, it makes people a little sober, a little more serious, and uh, they're going to think before they ask for help, which is good. So you want to ask questions like this. What is your financial need? Uh, Have you received help for this need before? Uh, Describe the current situations that have led to this need. What is the need? Meaning how much? Uh, Do you tithe? Will you commit to financial counseling? Those are just basic questions you could ask to determine whether you're dealing with a poor person or somebody that is just slothful and wasteful. If they're already being slothful and wasteful with the money they have, uh, I don't know that we want to give them somebody else's money to be slothful and faithful with. Uh, So we talked about the tithe. We talked about giving to the poor. Then there's the mission offering in the Bible. A number of mission offerings we see 
in the scripture. And the fourth type of giving we see in scripture is building fund uh, offering. When they built the temple, when they built the tabernacle, uh, that was always with extra money that did not come out of the ministry money, did not come out of the tithe. So these are all legitimate ways uh, to put provision for your vision. You could call those four ponds of giving. Maybe four lakes would be a better way to say it. But even beyond that, there is motivational giving that people have in some of these areas. Uh, especially in the mission area, and that's what I want to focus on today. Now, a number of years ago, when I was leading a pro-life organization, I had a man come to me who had been in our meetings, been out on the street with us. He identified himself. I knew his pastor, so I knew he was a, a decent guy, legit guy. And he said to me, look, I can really help you if you'll let me. Well, I said, well, I'm all up for that. And he sat me down and began to tell me what he did for a living, that he was a consultant for major ministries on their fundraising. Well, I got to be honest with you. As soon as I heard that, I was like, eh, I don't want to go down this road. I'm not into any hype or, you know, the, the latest slick thing in order to separate people from their money. That's just not my heart. But he said, no, I want you to hear me out. And he explained to me that they had, at that point, you know, we're going back a few years ago, software development was a big thing, that in major ministries, they were finding out that although there were people that wanted to support the ministry, there were certain things they got more excited about, and as they were able to track that giving, it really helped them. So he said to me, what are the five or six things that your ministry does? So I broke those categories down for him, and he said, I'm going to, give, I'm going to tell you something. You've got a certain number of people that believe in you, believe in the overall mission, and they're going to give to just about whatever you do. He said, but if you can find their pond, if you can find uh, the thing in their heart that really moves them and focus on that with that person, then you're going to see a great rise in giving. Now, why do I say this? Because I think a lot of local pastors and a lot of local leaders think that the well is only so deep. And while that may be true in, in a major sense, the truth is there's a lot of giving that's left in our local churches, frankly, that goes to organizations outside our local church because we're doing a very poor job at missional giving and giving people an opportunity to really do the things that stir their heart. So I talked about those categories of giving, those four categories. You could almost tie them to systems. There's like discipline giving, there's project giving, and there's motivational giving that happens. So, for instance, in this one organization the fellow talked about, he said, you know, we do a lot of missions work, and we have people that will give money to send teachers to foreign fields, but they won't give money to sponsor a student. We have people that will sponsor a student, but they won't give money to build a Bible college. So what we found out is that if we'll target or focus, maybe is a better word, the people who are motivated in those things, our giving is going to go up. Now, the only way you're going to be able to do that is by charting what your giving is. So in your local church, if you've got an active mission program, you're probably doing some of those same things. You're probably doing compassion ministry where... You are maybe drilling wells or running an orphanage. There are certain people that are going to give to that. You've got people that you're supporting long-term. There are certain people that are going to give to that. 
You've got people that are going to respond to a project, like we've got to build a building or there's disaster relief. You've got people that are going to give to that. Now, again, in a committed local church, across the board, you're going to have most people give something. But when you give people multiple opportunities, and see, this is where the natural mind says, well, you know, we're giving them a lot of opportunities. There's only so much money. But the truth is that if you're missional, if you're really focusing on the mission, you're really teaching them about what you're doing, there are pawns of giving in your local church that in many times are not being totally released like they could be released. And this is a great area of providing provision for your vision, something that you can really improve on. So that means you've got to go back to point A, and you've got to really articulate very clearly what you're doing with missions. Here's a great question to ask. If you really want an honest answer, if you really want the truth to know where you're at mission-wise in your church, just grab a couple fairly committed church members just in passing after or before church and ask them, who are the missions and the mission organizations we support? See if they can tick them off, if they can rattle them off, so to speak. If they can't, that means that there needs to be more vision infusion for what you're doing. It also may be interesting that you'll get different answers from different people because those are the things that stick in their spirit. Those are the things that they're more excited about that they want to participate in their giving. So rather than just taking up a generic mission offering, now you're going to be articulating what you're doing and why you're doing it. You're going to be appealing to people, understanding that some people may not give on that, but some other people may really give very generously on that. So there are different opportunities. I'm a big believer in receiving regular mission offerings as well as spontaneous ones from time to time. We did it once a month. You could do it the first Sunday of the month, the second Sunday of the month, whatever it might be, and target that. And the week before, you start talking about it. Now with electronic communications, you do your emails, you do your web pages, you do your, you know, your text alerts. Whatever you do in your social media, you start to build it up and then start charting how the response is and who is responding to what. Now what you can do with this down the road, let's say you've got you know, 30 people in the church and they are really excited about orphanages or drilling wells or other types of compassionate ministry. Well, before you go to the next level with something like that, you could bring those people in for a special meeting and say, hey, we got to raise $10,000 and uh, we know you've been given to this before and you've been generous. Is there a better way we can do that? Or we're thinking about adding this new ministry what do you think about that? See, that information becomes incredible power, but it takes a leader like you to do the front-end work to know where you're going to be. So on our next podcast, and I invite you to ask some questions about this uh, to me in person or by email, however you want. But I listen, I'll just say this. Roy knew I was a skeptic. When he laid out this pawn thing, he knew I was skeptic, and he said to me, I promise you this is silence. I'm going to tell you something. This is the truth. Within 18 months, our income increased tenfold because I took the science that he was talking about and I began to understand there are different people out there that are motivated by different things, but they all want to make a difference. Hey, thanks for spending some time with me. This was Keith Tusi with Leadership in Context. 
Uh, let's get together again next week and pick up on this. God bless you. One of the big ones, ultimately, is would you send somebody on a short-term trip to be with that person? Would you send somebody to be trained with that person? And I can tell you over the years, one of the things that really helped the mission flow, the mission culture in our churches was when we sent people, them coming back with a rave review, having a great personal experience because the leadership there was prepared for them. They put them to work. It wasn't a missionary tour, but they put them to work and made them work for the kingdom. And they came back, back exhausted and excited. And that just stirred the church to a whole another level. I think it's time we get a little more detailed in our mission philosophy, taking the time to explain what we're doing and why we're doing it. And these guidelines I shared with you today are some of the things you need to think about and make sure that you're communicating them, that people uh, are not just expected to kind of figure this out. I promise that if you do this, when you start receiving regular mission offerings, which you should be doing in some way, shape, or form, I believe, make it obvious, make it stick out, make it intentional, make it purposeful, give people an opportunity to give. Uh, one of the signs I look for in a missional church is are they clear, are they excited, and are they not ashamed to receive special offerings? Because a healthy church should be generating about 20 to even 25% of their tithes. In other words, if they had a, uh, you know, a budget of a million dollars, their extra giving should be probably 200 to $250,000, a quarter, 20 to 25% for extra projects, extra giving and those type of things. Without a lot of strain, without a lot of fuss, because you're giving people opportunities. Uh, our next time together, I'm going to talk about mission pawns, P-O-N-D-S, and how that affects your people, how it affects their giving, how it affects their connection to certain missions and ministries that you're doing, and how you can keep them connected long-term to some of these critical missions. Hope this has been helpful. Thanks for spending some time with me in Leadership in Context. Have a great week. Today, Keith continued a conversation about being missional. Missional churches have leadership that is unapologetic about asking people for their time, talent, and their treasure. Take the time to find people's pawns, find the things in their heart that really moves them. People are motivated by different things, but they all want to make a difference. Thanks for listening this week to another episode of Leadership in Context with Keith Tusi. Join us next week as Keith continues to put leadership truths in the context of a local church. As always, subscribe, like, rate, and share our podcast. For show notes or to ask Keith a question, email podcast at nrpastors.com. If you would like more information, check out our website, nrpastors.com. Make sure you follow us on Facebook and Instagram at nrpastors. See you next week.